Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're discussing four films. I know, mega-sode of thrillers and horror films from 1986. Starting off with Manhunter. Then, uh... Uh... <laughs> my oh, man. The it, worst. Uh... I am the worst. Let's fire me. Fire me and replace me with somebody else, Kersey. <laughs> Seriously, I suck. Uh, what are the four fucking movies? Uh, wasn't it The Hitcher? Yes, thank you. Hitcher... Uh, Manhunter, then Poltergeist 2, and From Beyond. There we go. Hey, we did it. We got yeah. them all. Oh, limped across the finish fucking line. I'm such an embarrassment <laughs> to podcasting. Uh, so the first I hate, we... to, I hate to break it to you. That's just the starting line. Yeah, that's... Mm. Uh, <laughs> you remember when we recorded an episode of Cobra and Drive Angry and there's something wrong with my microphone? We lost the whole episode. You're like, fuck! And I was like, dude, it's par for the course. I'm the worst. <laughs> I don't remember being too upset about that because, like, Cobra was one of those movies that just I, I could not retain. Yeah, well, let's just say this. I don't understand the fan following for this movie. I think it's because it's outrageously and stupid, but Drive Angry knows it's outrageous and stupid. That's the difference, and I love Drive Angry. So Yeah, that one's great. Uh, so let's start off with Michael Mann's uh, launch of the whole Hannibal Lecter franchise, which actually wasn't a launch. It was a big flop, and Manhunter is still the best entry in that whole franchise. Absolutely. It is also the best Hannibal Lecter, in my opinion. Oh, yes. Uh, Brian um, Cox. Brian Cox, thank you, is uh, the original Hannibal Lecter, if you didn't know this. Now, I remember the first time I heard of it, it was sold on television as Red Dragon. Uh, and it says, the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. And they, they acted as if it was original movie for NBC, like the summer of 1991. That's wild to me, that they, they tried to pretend it was a whole new movie hilarious yeah and and uh this was one of dino de Laurentiis's first uh solo productions where he wasn't releasing through another company he decided that he had a slate of like 15 movies every single last one of them flopped i believe um and and most of them are forgotten i think the only ones that people really remember are from 86 is blue velvet and manhunter it's kind of unfortunate. I like the, the idea of trying to re-release that movie as like a prequel uh, to try to give it a second life that it actually deserved is kind of unfortunate that it didn't get the traction. No, and I think it wasn't until like the late '90s when Anchor Bay decided to re-release it on VHS that people started to notice. And over the years, it's built and built. Uh, I still think it's kind of underwatched. Um, I think people know what it is. They know it's the beginning of the the whole franchise. But I still don't think that many people have seen it. Yeah, like if you watch Silence of the Lambs now, it's not as good as I remember. I mean, like, I... Um, wow, man, I am spacing his name today. The guy well, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Anthony yeah. Hopkins, thank you. Okay, so, like, it, it's not that good, if I'm being honest. I like think... Now, nowadays, I th yeah, I think his performance has always been over-the-top and handy... Whereas Brian Cox has this very sly, confident, he's a fucking snake in the grass. Very understated performance. Yeah, and he manipulates things in such a calm way, but fucking Hopkins wins the Oscar by just grabbing the scenery and just ripping it to pieces. We're going to discuss it, of course, in 1991, because how could you not? I think it's one of the only horror movies. Well, is it the only horror movie to win Best Picture? I think it is. Though they had to recategorize it as psychological thriller. Oh, there we go. This this one is a psychological thriller, though. There really are... Um, it's more of a crime movie than a horror film, even though there are elements of, like, serial killer kind of stuff in it, like the way you would uh, in, in previous films in the 80s. But 
it, it ultimately is a detective story about a guy who had to leave because his previous case with Hannibal Lecter basically destroyed his brain. Like, mm-hmm. he could not handle it, and he had to walk away from the whole thing. But now because of a family, all these families being murdered, uh, he's drawn into it. And, of course, he's manipulated, too, by um, uh, his partner. What is, fuck, he's a cop all the time. Um, Dennis Farina. Always a cop mm. <laughs> or a mobster. <laughs> um, and he brings him back into the case and trying to figure out who this killer is. And I think Tom Noonan, uh, his character, the Tooth Fairy, is scarier than Hannibal Lecter in the other films. For sure. And not only uh, not only scarier than Hannibal Lecter, uh, but also more creepy than the remake, the one with Edward Norton. Yeah, who like was that version was, of Tooth Fairy? That was Ray Fiennes. Yeah, I didn't hate that movie, but I just kept going. No, this this isn't hitting the mark. Tom yeah. Noonan plays like this broken Frankenstein, this this yeah. really odd human who has never really fit in with anybody else, and he has Michael Mann was smart enough to actually try to give him some humanity, but he cannot get the you know it's like a plug that can't find a socket. It's so close, yeah. but for whatever it is, it's not lining up. Like, he thinks that it's completely okay to watch his movies while he's on a date with a blind woman. Like, that's completely normal. Yeah. And watching him as he's developing this relationship with a, a Joan Allen, I think this is the first time any of us ever had seen her, um, giving her, uh, um, you know, some sort of relationship. But whatever it is, he cannot... Uh, act like a normal human being every single thing to him is uh some sort of emotional attack like all it is is a co-worker of hers you know is just pulls a bug off her face or whatever it was off her face and he sees this as an attack on his manhood and and the the last chance he has is a, a, some sort of normal relationship and he's the one who burns it down no one else does yeah exactly and, and just, that was always something that that was so great about his performance and by the casting too because like, he's not the most unattractive person in the world, but he is kind of off-putting. Um, whereas, like, when you have Ray Fiennes playing the same character, he's he's incredibly handsome. Yeah. Right? They have to, like, create this really complicated backstory of how he was, like, mentally scarred to make it more okay. Whereas, like, when you have someone like Tom Noonan, who's just a very awkward-looking human, um, you, can, you can really tell that he has trouble connecting with people, and that's all you really need. You don't need to create this super complicated backstory. Right. He's probably been awkward since he was a teenager, because he's just... The sheer fact that he's very, very tall, I think, yes. puts a lot of people off, because they, they're afraid of him. And he's, and he's really super thin, so he's gawky. Um, and, you know, he lost his hair. His hair is a little unusual. Right. He, well, the fact that he's bald anyway, it looks like he's been bald for a very long time. And... He almost has this albino quality and, you know, like the bad skin. So everything is visual in this. You don't have to go into a long-winded backstory. It's there in one image. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, beautiful. it's beautiful in its simplicity. Yeah. There really isn't a whole lot of... Comp- Most of this really is, though, from Will's uh, point of view of uh, uh, William Peterson's character is... Um, him just trying to fix himself but also trying to solve the case and he keeps trying to get into the mind of the killer into the mind of the killer and that's that's a dangerous addiction attraction kind of thing because he wants to get close but not too close and he gets the he, the the more he draws himself in the better he is as a detective so yeah. it's like this this sense of like he could lose his conscious at any time and that's what kind of makes 
makes it creepier the more he has to get into the mind of uh, the tooth fairy and that just keeps amping up the tension yeah and i love the mystery that's a lot of these serial killer movies if you don't have the detective mystery part going for you it all falls apart you have to have a really good take away the killer part you still have to have a good mystery or you you're not with the the character on this uh this journey exactly and that's where the uh remake red dragon kind of falls apart because william graham in the remake doesn't really have a sense of like addiction to this power or even like a sense of losing himself he just kind of has an intuition instead and there isn't really any like tension in his story segment so half the movie ends up being really boring yeah it's you have to, in order to solve the mystery you have to put your mind into the place of being a killer and that's something really hard to get out of you're, you're creating images in your head uh of what you could do if you were that killer and that's almost attractive you know like it's enticing uh and you know what i mean like i don't mean like he wanted to kill but to be somebody else and you're following down this path it's hard to bring yourself out of it yeah like the one of the best scenes in the movie is when graham is looking at some footage and he's getting inside the mind of the tooth fairy uh it's Frank Dollarhide, right? That's his name? Yeah. Yeah. And he... Wait, wait, the actor? I'm sorry. Hold on. What? What? No, 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 no. Dollarhide is the name of the... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Right? Yeah. So he's, like, watching footage of, like, the family that was killed, and he's just, it's just, like, their home movies. And he's watching it, and he suddenly has revelation of what the killer is going for, what the motive is. And in that scene, you can, like, almost sense how palpable that sense of power is uh, yeah. to Graham as he's describing the feeling. And um, where it's like that that whole scene is like not even in the the remake yeah well also here's the big difference and i don't want to uh you know uh shit on that one too much but Rhett, brett ratner is not a visionary he's just a guy yes. who sets down the uh, he knows how to film action and that he was just trying to fight for legitimacy away from the rush hour movies whereas michael mann already has his look his style everything he wants uh in his films is already you know locked down even with the keep, which we discussed not that long ago, it still has some of his uh, imagery in it. But this is really like the neon, the wide, the super wide screen, the, the ethereal music. Yeah, and I, I think, I still think Thief is his best film, but Manhunt is probably his second best. Yeah, I, I think Manhunter and Collateral, I think, are my two favorites. Yeah, I would say Collateral is probably my third one. Oh, well, no, Heat. I'm sorry. It's cliche. Ooh, I know. Yeah. All men love Heat. It's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend this over any other entry in the franchise. Yeah, uh, I, would also, I would just say that the ending is a little... It's a little rushed. Well, it, it kind of... Yeah, I also think the editing is strange. I'm not sure exactly what he was going for. It it does... It's kind of jarring, though. so it does bring up the, the fear factor a little bit. But I'm still like that's that's a really odd choice. Yeah, it kind of turns into a weird over-the-top action movie right at the very end, but only for like a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. The it's, uh, not, the, it's not super distracting. It doesn't take away too much from the movie, but it is kind of like a moment, like right near the end. Yeah, the the choppy editing when everything else was very cool, calm, and collected. You know, kind of like a slow burn, and all of a sudden, you're like, what? Hold on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um. Whereas Hitcher, our second film, is balls to the wall fucking action. This thing doesn't let up. This is a relentless beast. It doesn't waste yeah. any time setting it up. I mean, within minutes, you have C. Thomas Howell in the car, 
uh, driving through the rain, and he picks up Rudger Hauer. I mean, that's it wastes no time whatsoever. And I think I think it was five minutes when he admitted that he was a serial killer. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't. I, for some reason, I thought it was a much longer buildup for that. And then from there, it's just go town after town trying to get out of this and he just doesn't he won't let this kid go he kills other people along the way every time he tries to go to the cops it goes horribly wrong and slowly he's being set up for the crimes and even with the help of jennifer jason lee i'm this is a spoiler but taking her out of the movie shocked me that i i was not expecting it i was eating at the time and i was like oh okay everything's gonna be fine they're gonna stop him this is like i've seen this so many times before and then he guns the... Okay, I should probably set up what's happening. She's tied between two trucks, and Rutger Hauer is in the front truck, basically threatening to rip her apart if someone tries to stop him. And I figured that something's going to happen, someone's going to stop him, the kid is going to stop him for sure. No, that doesn't happen. He just guns it and rips her to pieces. And it's the it's so... just They don't show it, but they show like the tension of it like pulling on her... Uh, a couple times so you get like the sense of how painful this must be and then like once he just guns it it's just so horrifying yeah every time you think something's going to happen it changes it up on you you think that he's going to have a reprieve in the restaurant no he's already there and he's chopped off someone's fingers and thrown into the fries uh he's in the restaurant he think you know he's completely fried and um there he is he's putting his hands uh, his head in his hands whatever rubbing his forehead whatever just trying to deal with everything and there he is he always seems to be there ready to go to set him up for one more thing because this is a game to him and it's it's pure fun but there's also something slightly sexual about it did you feel that at all i'm not sure i got the sexual aspect of it i thought he was like it was more of like a he saw potential in him being like another version of himself or like almost guiding him to be like him oh See, I thought it was, I saw more of a sexual attraction. He liked he was a sadomasochist and he liked to play with the boy. Um, but there, I mean, he never actually. It's not overtly sexual, but there's this subtle thing that I couldn't figure out. The way he caresses his head and stuff like that, and looks him in the eyes in a certain way. Um, but he's also a sociopath, and he found joy in terrible, terrible. Wait, sociopaths don't feel anything, right? Uh, I don't know, that's difficult to say. I can't remember like the distinctions yeah. between Maybe I'm wrong on this, but his only joy came from hurting others or, or playing with them in some way. Like He couldn't feel anything else. Um, yeah. But I think sociopaths don't feel anything at all. I can't remember. Um, yeah. but I think... Rutger, Rutger Hauer isn't really in the movie too much. No. You just kind of see the effects of what he's done. And that kind of leaves you to question uh, the main character too. So you're like, Okay, well, I haven't seen Rugger Hour in like a half hour, so there's no way. Like, this must be a dream, or like he's this kid is actually killing people. Yeah. And then it, and then it throws you a curve like halfway through. Like, no, he is real. People can see him. So now what? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just it, like it keeps adding tension. Right. You keep thinking, is he a phantom? Is, is like, is he literally a ghost of some sort? Like, he's just haunting this kid, or is he a split personality? It's really hard. To, and a lot of the other people don't understand either. Like, they're like, no, it has to be him because there's no... Who is this other person all of a sudden out of nowhere? He starts shooting at a fucking the helicopter with a yeah. revolver. <laughs> but um, I just think the stunts were really well done. I, I think it was in, incredibly well made for a low-budget movie. This is from director Robert Harmon. And uh, this should have broke him out. This should have made something for him. But it didn't do very well. And he didn't make another movie for, I think, seven years. Uh, nowhere to run with Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, 
that's kind of a shame because I feel like after the hitcher, he should have gotten all the big offers. Yeah, this is definitely a really intense movie uh, to watch, one that keeps surprising you and one that kind of uh, subverts expectations pretty often. Yeah. Um, and it's just one that you can't breathe. Like, every every scene has, like, some new escalation. Yeah, the, the fucking scene in the police station where he thinks that he's safe I mean, he's not happy that he's locked up, but he thinks he's safe, whatever. <laughs> Just, exactly, yeah. At least nope. he can get away from the dude for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, nope, and it's worse than you ever could possibly imagine, and he sets you up for all of it. Yep. Um, now, there's a remake and a sequel to this. Have you seen either one? I have not. Uh, the Hitcher 2, I'm still waiting, I believe, is Jake Busey plays uh, Rutger Hauer's son, and he finally tracks down C. Thomas Howell, who's newly married, and they're on their honeymoon and uh stalks them i think i remember being okay but uh the one with uh, sean bean the remake i don't hmm. remember being very good oh, that's too bad yeah um this is one of those lost movies where it never made it beyond full screen dvd uh i think there's an international cut out there somewhere but i've been reading that they finally found a print they're gonna clean this up and put it on blu-ray please 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 because you and I watched it on a very compressed DVD yeah. that wasn't even widescreen. Because this thing looks like it was shot like 2.35, really wide. Yeah. Um, our third movie is the... Uh, I forgot how kinky it was. This is one horny horror film is uh, From Beyond. And I think it is... Uh, I think it might be um, better than Reanimator. Yeah. Stuart Gordon. Uh, this is his follow-up with the same company, Empire uh, Pictures. Uh, not as successful, much more expensive and bigger in its scope. I think it's better. It's really difficult to say. Um, I think it's definitely more succinct. Like it has a very, it, it's very well structured in that it knows exactly what story it's trying to tell. Whereas Reanimator kind of feels like a, like two or three different movies stitched together. Yeah. Well, and it ditches the sense of humor, so it's not as campy. And oh, God, this this I've never really I don't know anything about H.P. Lovecraft. I only know it from the movies. And some of these stories that, that he works on are so wild in their imagination, but it always seems like the budget is so restrictive. Whereas he was smart and kept this all in one location, basically, one location, and therefore most of the money could be spent on bringing those creatures to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, boy, do they come alive. Holy shit, there's, this is one crazy ad. This, this is almost on the level of the thing in wild special effects. Yeah, they. I think they spent most of the budget on slime. Those, <laughs> those puppets are disgustingly uh, juicy. Yeah, and and it. Uh, so it's all about this experiment to open up a gateway to another world. To but it, it stimulates the what is it, the pituitary not the pituitary gland. What's that weird gland that's in the uh, perineal perineal gland? Is that real? Is this? I don't know anything about science. I'm a moron. Me neither. I, I just I just go with it. Okay, but it's supposed to make you see into another dimension, but also can open where other creatures can come in, and they can see you. They'll attack you. Um, it's like an alternate. It's like the world that Buckaroo Banzai accidentally opens up in the eighth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it, it has like this sort of like spirituality science fiction crossover because it's like about opening your third eye, um, and seeing like the horrors of another world. Yeah, but and it also like prompts you to get really horny. <laughs> yes, I don't know what the hell is going on. I mean, obviously, like the the main villain guy, the guy who's really like uh, taking control of the experiment, wants to sort of merge with these creatures to become something else, and we find out that he's like complete 
disturbing sadist who just like loves hurting people so it makes sense that he would like merge with this reality and then he can do anything he wants to himself yeah it's so gross though as he's continually evolving to this nasty fucking disgusting creature and i enjoyed every second of his transformations yeah and it changes every time so whenever they turn that thing on you're just like you're just disturbed because you're like oh god what's it gonna look like now yeah. it's always different and it's always worse uh we have ken foree from dawn of the dead we have uh, barbara crampton and jeffrey combs from reanimator coming back and i really i really enjoyed the cast i love watching jeffrey combs kind of like wired and nervous and scared <laughs> and doing crazy shit like sucking eyeballs out <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, like hitting the frighteners. Yeah, so oh, that's his best like performance, I think. That, that's yeah. wild. Um, but there is actually a sequel series to this that just came out on Full Moon's website called Reskinator U, the Resonator, or something like that, where it's uh, college students find the machine after all these years and they try to open up a gateway. Uh, I, I don't know if it's any good or not, but if you're curious, if you like From Beyond, that, that series is for you. And then apparently it got a second season, so. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know about that premise. I mean, like, why would teams want to turn that thing? Uh, they, 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 maybe they're just exploring their sexuality through demons from another universe. <laughs> yeah, I guess we did. We, we we mentioned it, but I guess we should kind of talk about like, for some reason, this machine makes people horny, but not not everybody, just like some people. And it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it's it's a crazy idea, and I'm just here for it. I, I don't I don't always need my movies to make sense. I just want to be entertained. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got Barbara Crampton as the world's youngest leading psychologist. Um, An S and M who, <laughs> who becomes a, an S and M lady by the end. <laughs> um, you also have one of the most disturbing visual effects. Uh, which is basically like uh, space piranhas or whatever this other dimensional like piranhas chew that guy's all those guys legs off oh yeah that was fucking oh. crazy and his legs is like his, his the bones of his legs are still moving Ugh, Ugh. horrifying um, yeah the special effects are insane incredibly good yeah I think the screaming George uh, scream mad George did them and Brian Yesna is uh, the producer on this and he would go on to do all sorts of sense. wild it did uh, society I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie society but there's oh I've seen it ugh, shunting yeah. similar special effects though right don't you think it's oh kind yeah of... Yeah, like, um, it, it, like yeah, society has like you know like people turning into a mass of flesh. And that's basically what happens by the end of this movie. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> um, now there is more massive gooiness going on in Poltergeist too. Not as not as much finesse, of course, and uh, not as well made. But I still found Poltergeist too fascinating. It doesn't make any sense at, at times. I'm not sure how everything lines up, but I was thoroughly entertained. Really, I found it kind of confusing because it kind of had this whole thing about like, what is like, what's a man? Like, how, how do you become a man? Kind of thing. That was, I thought that was a waste of fucking time. I just felt like they were like, well, we got to get Craig T. Nelson back. Let's give him something to do. And I didn't understand any of that. Yeah, his arc doesn't make sense because like the the spiritual guide uh, Taylor in this movie was like telling him how to be a man by like doing these things. But because he did those things, he got possessed. Right. That's and what I was trying to figure out too. So yeah. That so was he wrong? I thought there was going to be like this turn at the end where Taylor was actually the antagonist. Does yeah, that see, that's sense? what I thought too. So that part doesn't make sense to me. And I'm still... So uh, the house in the first movie was possessed because it was built on ancient burial ground. 
But it turns out it's more than just that, that there was like this cavernous world underneath from 100 years ago where people were trapped during a storm and they ended up dying, and that's why their spirits were haunted there. But somehow, um, Cain is still alive, and he's an evil spirit. He's tapping into this other universe. What? Fucking, I don't know what any of it means. <laughs> just... Yeah, and he can, like, walk through people, but people can also see him. So I don't know, like, what the where he's at like, I guess they kind of mentioned that there's like you're dead but not really dead but they don't really explain like how that works but maybe that kind of adds to the the weirdness of the movie They're yeah like, sure oh and, and, and this movie's fucking weird first off let's start off with the casting of Kane himself is Julianne Beck who was dying of stomach cancer at the time he died before the movie was even released that makes sense he really looked like something was wrong with him. yeah I kept looking I was like is that special effects I don't understand but it's because he was dying, and I'm like, that's a risky thing to do. So they must have shot everything in just a few days in case he died. But his performance, let's just take out what he looks like. His performance yeah. is fucking disturbing. When he is, like, trying to communicate through the dad by, you know, brainwashing him into letting him into the house, that was a tense scene. I thought that was... That was a really good scene. Yeah. And um, I think the special effects and the creatures that were designed by H.R. Geiger, H.R. Geiger... Um, were really interesting. Only problem is I think the execution was a little clumsy. A $19 million movie should have better monster effects than this, I think. Yeah, it was very clear that the monster was was on like a blue screen or was claymation. It didn't, it didn't meld perfectly with the background the way like the thing does. Yeah, well, it's also... There's the sequence where they have it in front of the camera and they're pushing it and they're stealing something from the thing by having all the faces. We've seen this in numerous movies where uh, a certain object has all the souls or bodies or whatever that it's absorbed or taken. You know, Freddy did it, the blob did it, Leviathan did it, uh, the mm -hmm. thing, and this does it as well. But I think this one looks like a fucking, like, it almost looks like a garbage bag with someone's face being pushed through it. And I was like, oh, that doesn't work at all. Yeah. But I do like the uh, fact that it's not an obvious creature. Like, you're not sure what this thing is, and that's Giger's uh, genius at work is making something totally original, but still yeah. terrifying. Yeah, the, the, the special effects and sort of puppetry or creature, I'm not exactly sure. It looked like there was a real person inside the suit, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, when the father is possessed and he pukes up with this giant slug thing, oh, and then it starts, like, a, it starts... Uh, growing into a man, and it's clearly uh, Kane. Yeah, with the giant mouth. Uh, <laughs> it like it, it intentionally has like the features of a person, but like uh, like extra ribs and things like that. So it's not entirely human. So it has this really eerie effect on it. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the special effects were kind of. I mean, you gotta, you gotta take into consideration what the '80s look like too, and they don't. Have, this one doesn't have Spielberg's magic, so they're trying. Otherworldly imaging and, and stuff like that, stuff you've never seen before. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. I think them floating around in the other side, is, I guess you want to call it, uh, was cartoonish as hell to me. I didn't think it worked at all, but I thought like the little little details like them jumping into the fire and all of a sudden they're just gone. And it wasn't like a cut frame. It was like somehow they melted into the explosion of the fire. I thought that was good. I thought the world they created uh, underneath was terrifying because I'm claustrophobic. Um... But some of the rules are kind of clumsy. Uh, this one, all of a sudden, they, they decide that the mother is also kind of um, uh, has otherworldly powers, and, and her daughter got it from her. That's how she can communicate to the other side. Um, I feel like this was stuff that wasn't thought of before, and I guess that's the way it was with sequels back then, is they didn't have a planned Bible for a franchise back then like they do now. Yeah, it, it seems like they were just trying to 
they were trying to build off of the foundation that was there and the foundation was a little bit rocky. So it's yeah. very difficult to, to build something from that. But I do think that they tried and I think they went in a direction that makes sense. Like there are some logical conclusions you can make based on the first one, but because it wasn't meant to really be a series or franchise, it just kind of is hollow. I, I love the, 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 the idea that they're trying to get their house insurance but because it just disappeared, oh, yeah. like, there's there's nothing that the company can do. So like, we're not insured for anything like this. <laughs> so like, that's like the source of their financial problems. Like that's like that was brilliant. I love it. Um, but yeah, like the the mother and the grandmother being clairvoyant, I don't think really adds anything to the story. Yeah, I'll say this: even with the clumsiness and, and some of the stuff doesn't line up in this one, part three is a fucking mess. We're never gonna discuss it. Have you seen Poltergeist three, the one set in the the high rise tower of Chicago? I have not, but I'm actually interested now that you've described it like that. Okay, so there, there's, there, the bones of the movie are great, but there's a point in the movie for a half an hour, I swear to God, all people do is yell each other's name. That's it. They steal a really good special effect from demons, where, you know, the demon climbs out of the back of the girl? They totally steal that for Poltergeist 3. <laughs> It's just funny, demons stole that from, I mean, demons too stole that from demons, so now it's like, it's a weird inception thing. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, no, I think they all stole it from Evil Dead. Didn't they do that in Evil Dead at the very end when one of the, the ghouls is falling apart and the hands burst out of the back or something like that? Yeah, the hands burst out, but not, not a face. I think no. just hands are like clasping yeah. to try to pull itself up or something. But uh, yeah, I, three, if you have HBO Max, it was on there. That's when I saw it like six months ago, but uh, it has some really interesting, because this time I think Kane is using uh, reflections and they kind of tease it in the first two movies because you know with, with uh, the sun he, uh, the creatures are trying to find their way through a mirror verse but this one really uses all kinds of reflections to tap in and, and get into other rooms at uh, the people yeah which I think also kind of uh, I guess it kind of clumsily fits with sort of the themes that they're running with sort of about identity and um having to sort of like face their past and i think it, i think they're they were trying something but it just never really it never really hit the mark yeah i will say this the braces effect had to have been so complicated and difficult to do because yes. you have three different people getting caught up in basically i think it's reverse stop motion kind of thing where the braces are extending out of his mouth and they're wrapping around the people and taking them up to the ceiling that had to be so complicated, and kudos to whoever thought that up, because that is a fucking nightmare right there. Yeah, uh, for one, I never had braces, so I don't really know like the horror of like the idea of having braces, but like it made me like really queasy. Yeah, I had uh, watching that because like just of how intense it became. Like I was like, okay, like a little bit of metal comes out, and they'll like move around like worms, and that'll freak them out. But no, it just kept going. Yeah. I had braces, and if they didn't snip the pieces right, they would slice the inside of your lip, your gums, because uh, it's just a little wire, like a metal wire, just scratching, scratching, scratching. So you'd have to go back and have them fix it, twist it, or whatever. But also, especially when you first get them, the tension, the fucking amount of tension on your teeth feels like your skull is going to split apart. So someone must have like dealt with that and said, "This is a really good idea." You know, this is a kid going through puberty, just got his braces. Let's let's do something with this. <laughs> All right, so those are our four films. Thank you, everybody, for uh, more of a supersized episode than usual. Um, so the next one, like I said, is going to be Critters, Night of the Creeps, and Vamp. Uh, more three, they're, they're horror comedies. They're not as uh, intense as these four were. Um, 
But that's it. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter under Hit Rewind Podcast. And Kersey, thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Have a good night.